You must tell me all your secrets. Remember, we must share everything together. I just call you X? There's something evil about him. Now be 666. Girls. Guts. Gelato. Oh, guts, Jello, Biafria. <laughs> Hello, you're listening to Girls, Guts, and Jello. I'm Annie Rose Yellow. <laughs> I can't, I can't. I'm leaving that in. Hello, you're listening to Girls, Guts, and Jalo. I'm Annie Rose Malamet, and I'm here today with my longtime friend, Chingy. Hi, Chingy. Welcome to Girls, Guts, and Gelato. <laughs> okay, <Hi>. Chingy. <laughs> do you want to uh, tell us a little bit about who you are oh, and what God. you do? Oh, God. Oh, God. You're going to make me plug myself. Okay. You have to. I know. I just... Oh, okay. Um... Oh my god, bitch. <laughs> Girls got some jello biafria. Welcome. Okay, go um, closer to the mic. Okay. This is all staying in. Why? Okay. Um <laughs> I'm really comporting myself. Is that, that's a word, right? Comporting? Yeah. Yeah, it's a word. Um, you can also I, hold it if you need I to. I make words. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am a writer, comedian performer uh and a really great bottom i'm a better bottom than you uh <laughs> i write columns for auto straddle out magazine uh i've been featured in vice and buzzfeed i run a party called mommy issues in la that's like a kinky queer thirsty dance party um i also am a screenwriter uh and do theater uh, I do way too many things. Like you I do hate, a lot. I hate my hyphenate. There's just too many. I also recently started a blog called The Bottoms Line, uh, where I'm the bottom in question on that line. I'm really great at plugging myself. Um, <laughs> she's she's accomplished. I yeah. Oh, and I ma- I make memes. That's what everybody loves to come up to me about. I'm like, I'm the meme bitch. Uh, yeah. Hi. Welcome to Girls, Guts, and Jiggly Caliente. <laughs> so, uh, Chingy and I have known each other since around 2012, I want to say, from Tumblr days. I was never on Tumblr. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> don't, don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> glad that policy is still in effect, yes. Uh, glad, uh, you know... It, it was a special time, a special time and place, 2012 Tumblr. A lot, oh, of, oh. A lot of terrible discourse, uh, but we made it. We made and, it, and terrible discourse also made it. It's still alive and well. <laughs> and today, we're talking about the Greg Araki film, 
the Doom Generation. Yeah. This was Chingy's pick. Chingy loves Gregoraki. He is my favorite filmmaker. Uh, this is not my favorite Gregoraki film. That is Nowhere. The film's name is Nowhere, uh, which is part of the same trilogy. It's like a spiritual trilogy. They're not actually... Uh, it's called the Teenage Apocalypse Trilogy, uh, starting with Totally Fucked Up, followed by The Doom Generation, and then Nowhere. Um, they're all late what, 90s movies about <sighs> queer mo, freak-ass teenagers in an apocalyptic LA with violence, drugs, uh, culty shit, aliens, just weird. Yeah, it's weird. Well, very apropos because we're in L.A. right now. Unfortunately, yes. This is we where, are here. This is where Cheney lives. This is where I live. This is where I'm from. So this movie is from, is from 1995, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why did you pick this movie for us to talk about? Well, so Nowhere, my original idea, uh, is my favorite film. But uh, I know that Girls, Guts, and Giallo. Giallo. Did I say it right this time? Yeah, you know, you, you yeah. got it. Uh, Girls Gets in Yellow uh, focuses on, um, you know, the feminine image in trashy movies. And this is a very trashy movie and uh, is very focused. Like, Nowhere does not focus as much on the feminine image, although it features a large cast of talented actresses, including Rachel True from The Craft. Oh, damn. Yeah. So we missed out on that. Um, but uh, and Christina Applegate, my wife, um, I'm actually married to Christina Applegate. Uh, but uh, the Doom Generation does very much focus on the feminine image. Sorry, we'll edit it out. We'll edit it out. Great, Umami Burger is almost here. <laughs> um, and. That feminine image is Rose McGowan in this movie. Yeah, 90s Rose. Um, So this movie was shot in L.A. over the course of a month. I didn't know that part. Yeah, and it was shot mostly at night and in less developed areas because um, Iraqi wanted it to have more of an apocalyptic feel to it. Each of the characters, I know that each of the main characters has a last, there's uh, Amy Blue. Jordan, uh, Jordan White, Jordan White, and oh, and Xavier Red, and each of them has a lighter, and the color of their light, the flame in their lighter is a different color than the yes, color and also red, white, and blue because we're in America. I didn't even put that together. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Um, God bless America. God bless America. America is a big theme in this movie, or at least at the end. Oh, apparently Rose McGowan essentially got the part when she ran into Greg Araki outside an L.A. gym. Yeah, it features a lot of themes from other Greg Araki movies. Like I said, uh, like sex, drugs, violence, uh, homoeroticism. It's actually, I think, one of his first films to have like a boy-girl romance at the center of it. Because most of his Mm. films before then had... Uh, some critics describe them as, I don't know if a critic described this as it, but uh, faggot movies that faggots hate because terrible things happen in them. And it's mm. like, I would say Gregoraki's style is like camp in a similar way to John Waters like stuff, but in a 
trashy 90s. Oh, sorry, that's my mommy burger. <laughs> okay. Sorry. No, it's fine. Can you talk a little bit about why you, why are you so drawn to Greg Araki's films? I grew up in Los Angeles uh, and I grew up uh, in Venice Beach. Um, and I knew I was gay from a very early age, and I also knew I was a pervert from a very early age. Oh, yeah, that's a very big part of my work, being a pervert. Uh, She's a big old pervert. I'm a huge pervert, and I like write about BDSM a lot. Um, I should have mentioned that while I was a writer and a comedian that, like, almost all of it centers around gay. I should have just plugged you. Yeah, you should have just plugged me. What the shit, Andrew Rose Malamut? Yeah, I write about BDSM and polyamory and being a big old homo um and that the movies of Greg Rocky were kind of the first time I experienced those uh outside of just like how I felt um these things that are like a core part of how I live and who I am now as an adult um and also I kind of like looked like a dykey version of James Duvall growing up because I'm mixed race and nobody can ever figure out what I am. Um, and James Duvall starred in Nowhere, The Doom Generation, and Totally Fucked Up. Um, yeah, Greg Rocky was just, like, the first time I learned what queer cinema was and, like, in a way that wasn't shitty gay movies I saw on Logo when my dad wasn't home. <laughs> which was, I was just like... Because at a very early age, I was like, oh, does all gay content suck? I hate that. And then it, do- it doesn't. Um, spoiler alert. Um, and it's gotten better. Sometimes. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, like movies like Greg Araki's films and then Todd Haynes' films like uh, Velvet Goldmine was really big for mm-hmm. me. Um, uh, yeah, it just like rang very true to how I felt in my experience growing up in LA, which was a lot of sex, drugs, violence, and uh, homo shit, Um, or like offshoots of homo shit. Um, But like, I don't know, it made me not dislike LA as much as I always did growing up, Mm. because they were all centered there. And it's not like they're the only film centered in LA, um, but like, it was a part of LA I didn't both saw reflected and didn't feel reflected in. That makes sense. Yeah. So I saw this movie back in the day on, I want to say like the IFC channel Ooh. at like two in the morning or was something. Was it before Portlandia and all that proliferated? It was, yeah, oh, yeah, it was before I, all that. Yeah. It was um, when I was in high school. So it was definitely before all that. Um, and I think, weirdly enough, the first Greg Araki movie I saw was Splendor, which... That's such a weird first Greg Araki yeah, movie to see. which is also a male-male-female dynamic, but, like, the wholesome romantic comedy version it of is, it. It is, and it starts the same lead, uh, the guy who plays Xavier. Right. I think it's Matt Schlaker or something. We'll confirm that. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's an interesting movie, because... So, it also, uh, Nowhere, the film that follows this, uh, this was 95, Nowhere was 1997, and then Splendor was 1999, I believe. Um, All of those films feature uh, 
like male female romantic pairings with also uh a third male in them but nowhere also features uh another female in them and also just like is a lot more uh bacallian in its it's just like bacchanalian in its like delivery but um it's interesting because this was actually Gregorak's bisexual period. Yeah, because he was dating the actress from Splendor. Kathleen Robertson. Yeah. yeah. Um, so who is also in nowhere. Um yeah, it's it was a uh, it was his bisexual period, uh, which is just a really funny <laughs> name for a period. <laughs> well, a, he identifies as gay, but you know, is like date he He dated Kathleen Robertson and that yeah. was like the end of it. Yeah. As far as we see. LA is so central to Greg Rocky's films. Yeah. Mysterious Skin, I think, is the only one that does not take place in LA. And that is, but there is a character who is from LA yeah. uh, in it. And I, I mean, that's because it's uh, something that has source material. Right. It's, based, it's based on a book. Yeah. Um, a great book. I love that book. It is my, that and Nowhere are tied for my favorite films. Mm. Uh, that's Mysterious the, Skin is great. It's my prestige favorite film, whereas Nowhere is my trash favorite film. Yeah. Um, so let's get into talking about uh, the plot and I'll pick out some scenes. The plot is, I don't even know if it is a plot. Like. <laughs> There's a vague plot. Um, the movie opens and we get title text that says a heterosexual movie by Greg Araki. I do love that part. Yeah. So, you know, we're in for a, yeah. a wild ride. Um, opens in a club, blasting Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, it's very, yeah. Very he's wearing 90s. a ministry shirt. Or was he, yeah, he's wearing a ministry shirt. Yeah, James shirt, yeah. Duvall's wearing a ministry shirt. Yeah. And um, Rose McGowan, Amy Blue, is looking for her skull lighter, which will become a motif. Mm, yuck! You're all sweaty. And what you looking for? My skull lighter. I swear, if it's missing, I'll slit my wrist. And uh, if she doesn't find it, she's going to slit her wrists. So she's going to slit her wrists. wrists. That's what she says. Yeah. Well, young, I, I'm also, because of the cultural moment that we're in right now, like everything centering around Rose McGowan. Everybody, yeah. Too, and all this yeah. shit. It's fascinating to me to see her in this role. So I'm curious, what was the first time you experienced Rose McGowan? Oh, up? good one. Because mine was charmed. Mine was Jawbreaker. Okay, that makes sense. I also, Jawbreaker is one of my, another one of my favorite films. Of course uh, it is. Yeah. Big old perv. Oh, it's so fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> In both of these films, Rose McGowan, like, does, like, phallic things to men that she is in relationships with. Oh, I mean, she's a, like, dom icon. Yeah. In, yeah, she is. In, of the 90s. Yeah. And also, like, I would, I had an interest in her when I was in my teen years because she dated Marilyn Manson. But yeah, it's fascinating to see her in this role. She's so young. That was what I was struck by. And when we see her, I mean, she was... Uma Thurman from Pulp Fiction before. She looks like every femme in Portland. <laughs> yeah. She's got a uh, straight black bob. It's with like a, I call it a Carrie Brownstein bob. Uh, yes. Yeah. Because sometimes it's brunette, not just like black, but yeah, yeah, it's, right. yeah. So if you, you uh, this is, it's a highly Tumblr film. It, it really is. So I, you, I, people have probably seen those images. Yeah. 
of her with the black bob. Yeah. Um, her big old leather jacket. Yeah. Yeah, and her big leather jacket. Yeah, and she, you know, we kind of automatically get introduced in in this scene. You know, she's a hyperbolic to say the least. Yes. She is um, always making a scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, we meet her boyfriend. James Duvall, Jordan. Yes. He's wearing I, a ministry t-shirt. I always call him Dark because that's his character's name in uh, Nowhere. Okay. So every time I see him, I'm like, oh yeah, Dark. Dark was doing this. and yeah, Jordan. He, Jordan. He doesn't look like a Jordan. No. And they also call him Jordo. And uh, Nutlicker. And Nutlicker. Nutlicker. Yeah. Is, oh, it's just, so... <laughs> So Amy and Nutlicker are in the club. They leave. They start to have like awkward, try to have awkward sex in uh, Amy's car. But they're virgins. But they're both virgins. I forgot that part, that they were virgins. Yeah, Yeah. that they're both virgins. And um, he says he's scared of AIDS. That's why he doesn't want to have sex. Mm -hmm. And then they say they both feel like something weird is going to happen, which, oh boy, does it ever that was such a mom oh boy does Does it it ever amy says like she feels trapped she said she was driving on the freeway and she was like on the 405 yeah she was on the 405 i just thought about all the dead bodies piled up needing to get out yeah and i was like at that point i was like what dead bodies are you talking about no way but like it's it's just like (laughs) <laughs> this is definitely so all of Gregoraki's characters, at least in these films, do heavily tend towards hyperbole mm-hmm. and just talking about random it it was it is a huge influence on me as a writer, but also I'm just like sometimes when I go back and watch them, I'm just like, you're kind of just talking out of your ass, weren't you, Greg? You weren't just, you, Greg? I'm like, I mean you're you were a young auteur. Make, do you know how old he was when he made this? Uh he had to I think he was already in his 30s. Well, he was born in 59. If he was born in 59 and this was 95, then he was already in his 30. He's okay. 35. He was 36, I think. Okay. And just like kind of obsessed with I'm not a culture. Manager, don't check me on that. <laughs> um they also say there's no place for us in this world in that car scene. And then we meet X, Xavier. Xavier. Yeah. Uh, because he's getting jumped by a bunch of dudes and he is lands on the hood of their car and gets into the car and is like, drive. drive. He's naked and yeah. He's naked. Yeah. I love uh when he's just like they're uh <laughs> dark Jordan is like, Oh, are you okay? And he's like, Yeah, I love getting the shit beaten out of me. And I was like Girl, same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we learned that his name is Xavier Red. Uh, Jordan and X already have a ton of sexual tension. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jordan's just very bottomy. He's oh, just my like, God. He's just yeah. like, oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, um, he's like ready to bust it wide open. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately upon meeting Xavier. Yeah. He keeps insulting Amy and she's like, get the fuck out of my car. And then they go to a convenience store after uh, Xavier has left their car, Jordan and Amy. Rose McGowan, and I'm just, I'm not going to be able Rose and Nutlicker uh, go to a convenience store and uh, there's definitely a sign in the store that says shoplifters will be in all red. 
executed. Yeah, there's all these like weird apocalyptic signs another, in the movie. Another big, yeah, big motif of his work. Um, and uh, she's smoking in the store, and the convenience store guy uh, tells her like to put it out, and she says, "Eat my fuck." And then he pulls out a shotgun, and then she does put it out and throw it in the trash. Hey, no smoking here. Jesus. Hey, 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 garlic. Good pickup. Eat my fuck. James Duvall, nut liquor, uh, goes to get all the hot dogs that he's just dressed. And the price of it, first of all, is $6.66. Everything in the movie will cost $6.66. Get it? It's the number of the beast. Greg hopes you get it. Um, <laughs> 1995 Greg Rocky hopes you get it because it's funny to him. And I, I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> it's, a, it's cute. Yeah, cute, cute job, Greg. <laughs> I'm on first name basis, apparently. Um, but, uh, and then he finds out he, uh, Nutlicker finds out that he doesn't have his money. It's good. I hope it's not confusing that I keep calling him Nutlicker. Nutlicker, James Duvall, finds out that he didn't have his money. Rose McGowan figures out she doesn't have her money. So I think Xavier definitely like pickpocketed them or something. And then they're like going to go back to the car to check for it. But the cashier is pointing. The, he's like, no, you can't go back. Right. He's pointing the gun at them. He has three disinterested children. And a wife. Yeah. And a wife. Yeah. yeah I who, assume they're married. I yeah. Mean, that, I mean, that's, you shouldn't make assumptions about people. They might not be. They might not be married. They might be. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but he has three disinterested children who, like, keep looking back and then they look away. He's also, like, presumably, um like supposed to be an immigrant and yes. he's standing under a sign that says um america love it or leave it i didn't even remember that yeah sign. i mean in, there's some yeah the, america is such a yeah he's standing under a giant sign um that says america love it or leave it and uh he cocks his gun ready to shoot them for going right trying to go get their wallets from their car and xavier attacks him xavier who left the car much earlier just shows up and like, quote unquote, saves the day. Right. Um, and then, but uh, he decapitates somehow. The, the cashier. The cashier becomes decapitated, and it, we get our first major bit of gore, where his like head is still alive after it's decapitated. And like puking. Yeah, like puking, like pesto or something. <laughs> um, yep. And they rob the market and they run. And when they're in the car, I really wanted to sort of – ex uh, is talking about the murdering the guy and he uses a racial slur. So I'm Asian, so I'm just going to say what the racial slur is. It's gook. He said gook. Uh, yeah. yeah. And Araki is Japanese-American. Yes, he is. He's Asian. And I just felt like that was significant. So – I think about this a lot in the fact that um, as someone who's thought a lot about the films of Gregoraki, uh, there aren't very many Asian characters in Gregoraki's films. Uh, James Duvall is, uh, his mother is from Saigon uh, and his father is native and a couple other things, not native and like Dutch or something. Um, but 
yeah, uh, James Duvall is the main Asian American person who appears in Gregor Rocky's films, uh, at least these ones. Um, most of the cast is usually white. Um, yeah. I don't know why that is. I was thinking about it today in preparation for this. Uh, I don't know if it was like, it's not that it would be hard for him to cast uh, Asian actors, even though Asian actors are often the people who get cast the least for roles, especially prominent roles, um, because his films were not, and are still not mainstream. Like they usually have French backers um, uh, because his films are, very art house and culty um but yeah yeah I was just so I mean you don't really you don't hear that one a lot that slur a lot so (laughs) you don't (laughs) true yeah no I think you know you don't hear any film a lot is what I mean yeah um but valid (laughs) um and it was really shocking because it was in you just don't hear it that much in film yeah and it's uh Gregor Rocky is definitely an auteur in that he directs his films, he does the music coordination for them, he produces them, and he writes them. So every line of dialogue in these films, he's putting it's in all his actor's mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's all very much, I mean, it is, like, there are themes in the film, like, America comes up a lot as a nation, and, like, having an immigrant character, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a whole bag of... Yeah, I mean, it just feels very intentional, obviously. Yeah, and, like, how white people see, like, Asian-Americans and immigrants in it. Um, well, I also... Or the Asian-American characters, yeah. Right. I also... You're at... That's kind of what I was trying to get at, is, like, that it's interesting to see how these characters that supposedly Gregor Rocky, You know, that it's, I started to feel like, oh, maybe he doesn't like these characters. Like, maybe they're not supposed to be the heroes of the story. He likes to write about uh, teenagers and youth. And yeah, like, you follow them, but it's not necessarily, like, that there's, like... It's not that they're villain protagonists or necessarily anti-heroes. They're just protagonists. Yeah. You're following them and you're watching them, but, like... It is very intentional that uh, out of the main cast, uh, also, I keep wanting to call him dark, uh, James Duvall, Nutlicker, is the most sympathetic character out of the trio of main characters, and also who is the actor of color in the film. Um, My theory a lot of the time has been that uh, James Duvall is usually a... uh, author avatar for like that's kind of what i was thinking yeah it's it usually feels that way um because he usually in this trilogy he plays central roles and in all three of them uh is a lot more passive than like like he i don't know if it's passive but he's pacifistic in a lot of them um and naive yeah in this one he's just a sweet young little uh closet case yeah i mean yeah in Totally Fucked Up, he's, like, falling for the first guy he's ever really cared for. And there's a line from it that's always stuck with me that was, like, don't touch me unless you mean, or don't kiss me unless you mean it. Um, and then in Nowhere, he's, like, in love and surrounded by all this, like, 
orgiastic. I just made that up on the spot. Orgiastic. Orgiastic behavior and like just wants a simple connection um, and someone who he can fall madly in love with and just stare (laughs) into their eyes. That's my James du- 90s James Duval impression. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. His character is definitely always portrayed as one of the more altruistic and just like generally benevolent characters in these films full of like asshole young adults. Um, yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's like when you look at it that way, I mean, you guess he kind of seems like he's just being like... <laughs> like manipulated by these terrible white characters which like because he's so much more innocent than the two of them i don't even know if it's that because like i don't think so i don't think that james duvall i think an interesting thing about james duvall is that like because as someone who is ethnically ambiguous no one ever thinks i'm like no one can ever figure out what i am and no one could ever figure out what james duvall is most of the time because like he he's very ethnically ambiguous and so like um he can pass as white uh and like race doesn't like his character's race never comes up in any of yeah it's films. never explicitly um, addressed and like i don't even know if it's that i just think it's that like he his characters are definitely usually adrift um looking for something mm. and in this one it seems like he does have not necessarily agency because he's like everything that keeps happening is related to like what Xavier's doing and what Amy is doing. But like he's supposed to be like a kicked fucking puppy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now we get to the motel. Now they get to the motel and they're talking about their families. And Um, it's the 666 motel. Is the 666 Motel that makes that just tracks? Um, that's just good sense. They go to a lot of motels. They go to a lot of motels. Um, it's a road movie. Yeah, it's a yeah. It's a, it's like a kind of a a perversion of the classic American road trip movie. Which is this is not uh, Greg Rocky's first time doing that because The Living End was an AIDS related uh, road movie, which was one of his earlier films. Right. There's a lot of. Greg Araki addresses AIDS in a lot of his movies. Yeah, he, he, I don't know if he, he addresses things a lot, but he also just kind of just like, look at that, huh? Yeah. Huh? I love him though. He's great. Like if a, like if a straight dude, uh, if a straight white dude made these films, it would be a lot more upsetting. Oh my God. I would hate them. I would hate them so much, but knowing like that, like, uh, Gaijin made them, I'm like, okay. You're being very silly, but okay, buddy. Right. Amy says that her mom is an ex-addict and now she's an, a Scientologist. Uh, and her, this is when they're at the motel. Yeah. And her dad is dead, but she's happy about it because he was always trying to molest her. And then Xavier's just like, my dad, or someone died after shooting. His, her, uh, Xavier's mother killed his dad and then killed herself, which is a role reversal because usually yeah. that's a man, like a male yeah. crime. Um, and Jordan just says his fa- parents live in, in, uh, uh Encino. Yeah, yeah they in live Encino. In- That's uh, it. That was the real tragedy out of all of it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's also like, I very much noticed, I was like, wow, 
Yeah, this is very much a uh, a faggot writing a. Sorry, can I say faggot over? You can say whatever your heart desires. uh, That a faggot wrote a movie about like uh, heterosexuals because just the very everything that Xavier says to Amy in the car at the beginning is just all related to like her being a woman, and it's just like, what's wrong? Are you on your period? Like, it's just like, wow, this is just some nasty little fag just like yeah no totally yeah. i mean and nothing about this i mean it's like so obvious that like jordan is a closet case in yeah. this whole movie um x and is it xavier and jordan are like having sexual tension where they're like basically almost making out um and jordan reveals that him and amy have only been together for like three months he's like whoa a really long time yeah <laughs> Yeah. Right. So we kind of, we start to see themes here of poking fun at youthful romance and sexuality. Yeah. It's teenagers and it's the apocalypse. Right. Well, how how old do you think Xavier is supposed to be? Um, So Xavier, I think, so they're both referred to as teenagers uh, and Amy's age is specifically given as 18. Um, So I think that... uh, the, wait, did you say Xavier or Jordan? Xavier. Oh, I have no idea then. I, so I can't keep Is he like a it. grown man? I feel like he's like a 21, 23-year-old drifter. Okay. You know all those 23-year-old drifters. He's like an oogle. He's one of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> an oogle. Oh, my God. Jordan goes into the bathroom to pee while Amy is taking a bath. They lock eyes while Jordan is peeing, and then he gets in the bath, and they have sex. Xavier, while this is happening, sees on TV that their recent murder is being covered. Uh-huh. And, I mean, it's obviously, like, very... It's played for comedy, uh, the TV segment. Is it Christopher Knight? Uh, who's the guy who was one of the Brady's? Christopher Knight. That's Christopher Knight. Oh my yeah. God. He's also, he's one of the newscasters on this bizarre news channel where yeah. they're talking about uh, the earring, the only piece of evidence found at the crime scene. Right. Skull earrings sold at rock and roll paraphernalia stores uh, to young teens who. Yeah. Yeah. So there's also some like allusion here to satanic panic <laughs> mentality yep. in, in the media. Um, and it's obviously being made fun of. This is when we find out that the cashier's name was Win Cocksuck. So the majority of the film is like very much like tongue in cheek. Totally, like it's like all played for a joke, except kind of the last scene. But even then, mm. yeah. Uh, then this is when Xavier uh, uh, goes to the bathroom and he watches Jordan and Amy have sex. Yeah, there's a lot of that, and he jerks off. Watching yeah. it. Which is, yeah. Okay. And then... Oh, the thing I forgot about the news thing is that uh, we find out that the cashier's wife, in a fit of despair, disemboweled all her children and then killed herself. Yes. So Xavier is very excited about this because now there's no witnesses. Yay! <laughs> and that's what he tells Amy and Jordan. When then the car later and headed to... That weird burger. What's the burger place called? Did you get that down? No. Welcome to Carnal Burger. May I have your order, please? Get that down. It had a weird dinosaur motion. It was a dinosaur burger place. I remember that uh, 
Jordan ordered uh, James Duvall in that liquor. Now I just keep saying it for continuity's sake. Uh, ordered barbecue beef chunks and yes. Evian and one other thing. But I just remember <laughs> fried bar- cheese balls. That might have been it. fried cheese. Could I get a fried cheese balls, barbecue beef chunks, and Evian? <laughs> I'll have some barbecue beef chunks, some fried cheese balls, and Evian. Meal of Champions. Yeah, it actually sounds great right now. God damn. It really does. I mean, we, you have food. Right, we do have food. Do you, uh, do you want to eat it before it gets cold? Maybe. Um, but also, uh, Amy just orders a Diet Coke because, as is stated multiple times in the movie, she's doing crystal meth. And it's just, do like, it's just really hammered home that, like, She's doing crystal meth. She's doing crystal meth and she only wants a Diet Coke. Yeah, you don't ever see her, like, explicitly do crystal meth, but she's just like, no, I'm doing crystal right now. No, thank you. Yeah, it's, you, you, that's funny that you never see it. Um, This is when the cashier at the drive-thru. This is when the first mistaken identity happens. The first mistaken identity. Which is a recurring motif throughout the movie. Um, He thinks that, uh, the cashier thinks she's, her name is Sunshine. Sunshine. Sunshine, is that you? <laughs> I know it's you, Sunshine. 666. Sunshine. Give me some money. Sunshine, is that you? I think you have me mixed up with someone else. Don't add face. Give me some money. Don't lie to me now. I know it's you. Look, you fucking chunky pumpkin head. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yep. And she's like... She doesn't know what he's talking about. Fuck off. I don't know who you are. And he pulls out a gun. Because everybody has a shotgun. Yeah, everyone Uh, has a giant shotgun. Yeah. Well, except Parker Posey. Right. And he's shooting at them as they drive away into the night. To their second motel. To their second motel. And he vows that he's going to find her. If I can't have her, no one. Exactly. Bitch. <laughs> yep. Now we're back at the mo we're back at another motel. Well, did you get this one's name? No. Damn. No. Um, they're probably all like Satan illusions. Yeah, yeah probably. Um they're the Hotel of A, like <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh you know, it also begs the question, like, how much time has passed because they're at another motel, but it's never been daytime again. It hasn't been daytime again yet. I don't. I, yeah, there's, like, it's not daytime until, like, they get Because cl- then that night at that motel, uh, they're kind of just uh, Jordan and... And Amy are sleeping in bed. And then fucking Xavier is just, like, looking at them naked. gets naked and then... He fucks Amy. Well, he starts kissing her, and then they go into her she's car. Like, they're, they're both really into his tattoo. They're yeah. Like, oh my god, that tattoo. Yeah. It's so cool. Right. That's how he gets all the jailbait. <laughs> yep. And then he go. They go into her car, and they start fucking. Mm-hmm. This is when I started to think that, like, or realize that X Xavier is a Satan figure. Yeah. Like, tempting the two of them. That makes all sense. Of that tracks. Yeah. Like. Um. And I also started to question if he was even real. Yeah, like, I could see that. But, you know, if it was like a fight club situation or something. I think he's real. Yeah. 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 Um, but he's such a, like a, like a, 
a parody of a of a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, while they're fucking, uh, the guy from the from the drive-through uh, who loved sunshine shows up drunk with a like a baby doll mask on, a very creepy a baby doll mask. Yeah. And puts a shotgun inside uh, Jordan's mouth and keeps calling him a fairy faggot, yeah. which I'm just like, yeah, we get it. He, he, he we get to, it. He's a faggot. He wants to fuck. He wants to fuck Xavier. We all get. We all know. What are two homos gabbing about I love now? That everybody can tell, but uh, Jordan. Yeah. Everybody but Jordan knows. Can that tell Jordan's that Jordan's gay. Yeah, that Jordan's gay. But then, of course. Uh, Amy comes in and she pretends that she recognizes him that she's gonna take him back. She's and... just like, I've waited months for this, darling, with like her arms out like a stiff doll, <laughs> just like, oh yes, it's you. Yeah. And Xavier again swoops in and he rips off his arm. Rips off his arm he and the guy bleeds. Yeah. He shoots it. We don't know. And then he bleeds to death. It is unclear how the arm was lost, but a gunshot is heard. Right. And then Xavier is confessing in the car that he's murdered before. And he talks about how the first person he murdered was a cop. Yeah. And he says something else racist. What was the other thing he said? He says something about, like, grabbing her by her, her afro. and uh, But he says it in a very derogatory way. Yeah. Um, I didn't even remember that part. Yeah. And I was, this is why I was noting it, because I was like, well, it's coming up again and again. Um. So, I mean, I think this sort of confirmed for me that he's just, like, this demon figure. Amy and Xavier go into a thrift store. Because uh, Jordan lost all his clothes in all these scuffles. Yeah, Jordan lost He's just naked and covered in a red blanket. Yeah. Conveniently naked. Um, And she's pissed off at him. Like a life support system for a cop. Xavier, like, said, like, that they fucked. Yeah, he said that they fucked, so she's pissed off at him for um, sharing that information. With Jordan. And Jordan's like, it's cool. Yeah, he doesn't really care. Yeah. I don't. It's fine. And Xavier also says jealousy is for old married people. <laughs> like, the more Satan tempting. Jealousy is for old married people. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it's not fun. Mm -hmm. And kind of after that is when they decide to stop caring about anything like that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so after the thrift store, is that when they go to the bar? Yeah, that's when they go to the bar. So they go to this bar. And it's like shagadelic. They run into uh, our good personal friend of the show. I feel like you can just say that. You don't actually have to, like, it doesn't have to be true. A good personal friend of the show of Girls Gets and Gigolos, uh, Parker Posey. Yep. And Parker Posey is like, she's like, she also is dealing with mistaken identity, mistaking Rose McGowan's character for someone named Kitten. Right, someone named Kitten who is her lover. Yeah, she's like, Kitten, it's me. Randy, your eternal love slave. Your slave. Oh, hi. Oh, and she like thinks that uh, the boys have like kidnapped her. Yes, and like which you know. And then she threat she pulls out a katana and threatens uh, Jordan to lop his cock off like a chicken head. Yes. So we think this is the one lesbian we get. Yeah. 
And there's not a lot of them in a, in Greta Rocky movie. No, there's there's some in uh, well, they're actually in the Teenage Apocalypse trilogy. There is at least one lesbian per. There's like two lesbians a movie in the Teenage Apocalypse trilogy. <laughs> two lesbians. Like, they have a, yeah, they're, they're like, we, we've, read our, we've reached our uh, sapphic quota. Yeah. We can now focus on gay boys again. Right. Yeah. Parker Posey has, like, an amazing giant blonde wig. Yeah, and these heart-shaped glasses, and, like... She looks great. And, like, she has some, like, blonde little scruffy twink in a leather yeah. harness, like fight the guys for her while also like we're making it sound way more cinematic than it is it looks messy like it's it's a it looks pretty low budge and like like uh what's uh jordan's on a like playing pinball or no he's not playing pinball he's playing like mortal Kombat or something and like it keeps flashing back and forth between that and the fight and then yeah and then she accidentally stabs one of her twinks yeah she uh, she like jams her sword somehow into his uh groin yeah what do you think what do you make of the mistaken identity thing like how do you interpret that i think that uh a lot of white women look very very similar (laughs) Uh, that that is what instinctively comes to mind let me see uh if they wrote anything um i don't know i think so here's the thing like speaking of the feminine image in this I don't think that, like, aside from being, like, a snotty SoCal hyperbolic teen, that Amy has really any personality for the most part. She's just, like, a vehicle that, like, the, like, I don't know. Yeah, like, she's, like, people put, put what they want to see on her, and it just keeps happening. Maybe she is kitten- and sunshine and uh, Bambi. I don't know. Right. Uh, no, I mean that makes I this actually makes a lot of sense what you said because she's kind of like a proxy for Jordan and Xavier to get to fuck each other. Yeah, that's really what it is. So like, she's so sodomy can occur. Yeah, <laughs> she's like the ultimate just projection. Yeah. Of things. Yeah, like just if I just wish that uh, Jordan and Xavier could have met. Without, I'm like, I'm like, you could have just been another faggot rude movie. You didn't. Yeah. It's fine. Like, Rose McGowan's great. Nothing against Rose McGowan. It's just yeah. like the character of Amy, like, it's, it's, there's not just not, not much to her character. There isn't, but in a way, she's kind of symbolic. I mean, she's, she's just a symbol. A lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like, in a way, she has to be there because we're talking about being closeted. Yeah. So it's probably drawn from his own experiences. I mean, he is really interested in this male-male-female dynamic. He really, really is. So it has to be... Do you you know what that kind of threesome is called? The devil's threesome? the devil's threesome. So... Oh, my God. It goes back... Yeah! You... Genius bitch. It's the double threesome. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously though. And like six six six. six, six. six. Yeah. You know, maybe this movie is <clears throat> a lot smarter than we thought. Yeah, originally. maybe maybe it is. <laughs> maybe if it's just making a bunch of threesome jokes. Yeah. Yes. We really uh <laughs> very needed. I mean, this was the kind of a thing in the nineties though. Did you ever see that movie Threesome? No. What was that one about? Male, male, female right. relationship. Love it. 
yeah, and splendor and yeah, I mean this this was a thing. This was I a think, moment. I think Greg was a trendsetter in this department. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Heterosexual film by Greg Rocky. I fucking love it. Um yeah, uh hmm. and then there's that shadowy government agency that's just like Oh yeah, we're gonna find her and kill her. They're talking about Amy. Yeah, and they're just like, yeah, this is the only witness, the, the only suspect we could find from this slew of satanic right. murders. Right, and there's these weird signs also in the bar that say "obey." Yeah, those are all over Greg Rocky movies. He just does. I'm like, I'm like, part of me doesn't want to see symbolism in it because I'm like, he just does that. That's just the thing he does. It is, but it also. Um, is really reminiscent of the movie They Live. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I do see that comparison, yeah, because that's, like, the whole thing in They Live. Right. Um, yeah, uh, in Nowhere, not to give spoilers or anything, but it's not so much uh, about, like, Satanism doesn't come up as much as uh, drugs and murder, but also aliens are involved, like, lizard people, aliens, mm. and also, like... Like this preacher played by John Ritter, uh, <laughs> this televangelist played by John Ritter, who's just like telling people to believe, and then a bunch of characters like commit suicide all of a sudden in like ex- in extreme ways that like, and it's never shown them dying. It just like it's like in this movie where it's just like they don't show the action because I don't think they could afford the like to get do the action, but then they're just like, oh look. That's character's dead now. That's some weird thing. Jordan and Amy have sex again. They do. And this time Xavier bathes while they're having sex. Yes, that's true. It was, and then later, a little bit after they have sex, or first he's just like, isn't sex just so strange? (laughs) Because he's gay. Yeah. (laughs) He's just like, it's weird. I don't know if I like, this sucks. Yeah. Like, I wonder if there's a reason why he was a virgin before he met Xavier. Like, what are two homos gabbing about now? Right, totally. It's the only way to get it up. Yeah. Um, and then later, uh, again, mirroring, mirroring an earlier scene, uh, he goes off somewhere and, uh, or like, and Xavier and Amy start fucking. And he watches outside of a window and starts beating off to it. Yeah, watching. Obviously, I mean, the camera's on Xavier's face. So yeah. He's watching Xavier. Yeah. Um, oh, that's when they say, I love you. I love you, fucker. I love you, Amy, fucker. This is when Amy and Xavier play the strangling game. Oh, yeah, where it's just like, if you can... <laughs> I love it. The strangling <laughs> game. You say it with such joy. The strangling game. Um, it was hot. Yeah, no, I thought that was hot. She was just like, uh, if I can make you laugh in eight seconds or make you smile, I get to strangle you to death. If not, you can do whatever you want with me. And then they do that. And then she wins. And then she doesn't strangle him to death. Spoilers. They fuck. <laughs> they fuck. And then uh, Nutlicker. Not like Jordan watches it and he jerks off. He jerks off. Um, And he goes, is this is when he goes to like yo-yo in that weird apocalyptic canyon? Yeah, he just like goes and yo-yos or he gets a light yo-yo and he's like, and some shrimp nuts. He's like, I'm going to get some shrimp nuts. Um, Weird apocalyptic canyon. It's California. Those are everywhere. You'll you'll get used to it. Um, (laughs) 
on the next day, I know him and Xavier talk about uh, threesomes. And he's just like, having sex with multiple people at once. What's that like? (laughs) Is this when they're in the car? Yeah. And Amy hits the dog. Oh, yeah. That's really sad. And then the tonal shift just... It just majorly it shifts. Definite key change. Yeah, and they're like, uh, it's like the one serious moment up in, to that point in the film where like uh, Xavier puts on his cowboy hat that he got at the at the thrift store and uh, puts the dog out of its misery and like, right? Yeah. What do you make of that scene? Do you feel like it's just a signal about this key change that we're gonna have? I kind of think it's yeah, mainly a signal of the key change and like. To make it, well, because a lot's about to happen and they want you to at least feel some sympathy for these characters if you've not already accumulated mm. any. And so, like, their reaction is like, oh, no, this is bad. Like, a dog dying is bad. Right. Us running over a dog by accident is bad. And then... it's. I mean, it's like a, it's an omen. Yeah. Yeah. And then so they end up at a record store. They end up at a record store. And this is when Xavier starts to get, like, sexually harassed. Yeah, by some fucking Nazi punks. By some Nazi punks who are, like, you know, gay bashing him, Mm -hmm. essentially. But it sounds like they... I like that everybody just knows that they're gay. They're just like, you're a fucking faggot. Like, yeah. Yeah. And they start cornering him. Oh, also, uh, Amy says she misses her records. Like, she wants to go home. It just kind of shows what a kid she really is. Yeah, she's like, that's my record. Yeah. Um, These guys start cornering him. I thought, am I wrong? I thought, were these supposed to be the guys from the beginning? I don't think so. Okay, so it's a new group of guys. It's a new group of guys. Yeah, no, no, I don't think any of these characters have any, the shadowy government agency never comes up again. Like, they just were in that one scene, uh, yeah, I think it's a new group of guys, and the leader of this group uh, sees Rose McGowan and is just like, Bambi? Yeah. Is that you? <laughs> so it's another mistake. I would get so sick of that shit. Like, just like, yeah. They go to that, they go to the abandoned spot. Yeah. The abandoned squad. And so first, uh, there's just a lot of times where it's just like, it's the same formula. Over, that's I think this is why it's not my favorite Greg Rocky movie, because yeah. it's just like, uh, they meet this character. Violence occurs for right. some reason. They drive. Motel. Someone sexes. Someone watches. They drive. Mistaken identity. Some yeah. violence happens. At the same time, um, it sort of illustrates this like endless hellish cycle that they're in. Yeah. Because we have no idea how much time has passed. Yeah. It's, it's like just, a purgatory almost. They're just doing this. Yeah. It's, it's just this. like the same. You're doomed to repeat the same thing over and over yeah. again. Yeah. And so uh, Xavier tells Amy to finger his asshole while they fuck. <laughs> what? That's what happened. No, like, that is. I'm, but I could only get a hold of the R-rated version. And okay. I haven't seen this, like the original, since high school. Okay. So I, that, I mean, the R-rated version, they didn't have that. What? Yeah. What happened next? What happens next is they flip a coin to see who gets to fuck Amy first. Uh-huh. And Xavier and Amy just have sex. They they don't have that part. He doesn't say stick your finger up my butt? No, I don't think so. That's so weird because then after he does, she, she's like, ew, what? No, I'm not going to do that. 
Um, and then she does it. And then, um, uh, and then this is the hottest part of the movie. She then has sex with uh, Jordan and puts her finger up his butt. Uh, and he's like, what are you doing? And then like, I know it's like, I know guys, like it's not the best consent, but it's, it's like a, a movie. It's a fucking trash movie. Yeah. <laughs> and also like whatever. Uh, and so she's just like, it's cool. Just chill. And then he really starts loving it and losing his mind. I'm like, yes, finger. I, they took that out of the R-rated version. Like, butthole fingering was too much for them. It's, it was 95. It was a different time. Yeah. Um, And then they start threesoming. And then they start having a threesome. Did it just launch straight into threesome? It launched straight into threesome. That's so weird. Because the butthole fingering is just so essential to the plot. And the I mean, it makes a lot character. more sense now. Yeah, I love the butthole fingering. That's the best part of the movie. Yeah. Like, literally, that's what I mean when I'm like, oh, yeah. It's like her with the popsicle and jawbreaker, like... The fucking Nazi punks from before mm-hmm. show up. Show up at the squat. Uh, and just a just general, like, trigger warning, bad. Just, yeah. I like. I I'm always like, say, like, don't listen to this podcast. Yeah, it's about, like, yeah. <laughs> it's dark. about controversial films. Uh, so, I don't even remember. How, like, and so, they show up, those Nazis, during their bisexual threesome. Mm-hmm. And... Well, Amy goes to pee. Right. And they're kind of alone, and you're thinking maybe they might have sex. Right, 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 right. And then what happens to to the guys first? Like, do they get tied up first? They get tied up. Amy also gets tied up. And then they, the star, is it the Star Spangled Banner that plays over, like, the strobe light? And there's an American flag. And they're, uh, they rape Amy. On an American flag. On an American flag. And then, uh... And she's completely silent while it happens. Yeah. And then uh, they take some garden shears. Am I missing a part? No, you're right. They take, I'm like, am I like skipping any important awful things that happen? They take some garden shears and use them to uh, cut off uh, Jordan's dick. Mm-hmm. Um, like was referenced when uh, Parker Posey said she was going to do that, but with a Katana. Um, yeah, and he's, his last words are, I love you, Amy. Uh-huh. And then, uh, what does Xavier do that thing he keeps doing where he, like, saves the day somehow? Yep. What is it? What, how does he do it again? He, like... <laughs> he, um... Oh, it, I mean, it's really Amy and Xavier. Yeah. Oh, Amy! It's really her. She gets out Yay! of the And she, um, fucking kills those guys. Great. How did she kill them again? Why am I forgetting? She's like stabbing them. Great. Awesome. I love that for her. Um, But yeah. And like, then you just see them run away. Xavier and Amy. Yeah. Xavier and Amy. So we assume Jordan is dead. Yeah. And then the last scene is just them in their car with their sunglasses on being aloof and cut to credits. Yeah. I mean, she gets raped on the American flag. Yeah, while the Star Spangled Banner plays. Yeah, uh, by naked dudes no. with swastikas yeah. painted on their yeah. chest. So, you know. It's really uh, fucked up. Yeah, it's very, uh, Greg goes for subtlety. Yeah, <laughs> subtle he is not, for sure. Um, 
so what are your what are some closing thoughts about this film i think that that last scene always i think like i can handle watching a lot and like i think i just like tend to not watch this movie as much for a lot of reasons uh it doesn't resonate with me as much as some of his other films uh and that last scene is intense it's really intense and i just found it really uh shocking to watch her getting raped on the american flag and she's just completely silent yeah that was a lot and then the garden sheer hate crime as well like on top of that i'm like okay did they put it in his mouth yes yeah that's what i thought i was like yeah they cut it off and then yeah yeah it's it's just a lot um for a movie that's not technically a horror movie uh but it's like exploitation um i don't know i I think he did what he wanted to do. Greg yeah. Rocky did what he wanted to I do. Mean, it seems to me like he really just wanted to make something that was offensive or yeah, and upsetting and for uh, the sake of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think out of the Teenage Apocalypse trilogy, it is definitely the most upsetting for the sake of making something upsetting. Uh, it's it actually has out of all of them, I think the most like hate towards the LGBT characters in it and like the women in it. Um, whereas the others, like it's not as much of that's not as prominent. Uh, Why do you think Jordan has to be the one who dies? Because he's the one who didn't do anything wrong. Mm. Yeah. Um, at least in this narrative, which is like a small cast and he's just like, again, strung along in all of this. He doesn't, like, it could have just been Amy hanging out, meeting a drifter. Yeah. Um, but Amy's character is too aggressive. And, like, from the beginning, even when, like, Xavier's saying all this mean shit to Amy, this fucking rude-ass shit, like, uh, Jordan's just like, come on, Amy, he didn't mean anything by it. You were just joking, right, X? Like. Right. I really like doing that James Duvall impression. You're really good at it. Thank you. Well, also, it seems to me that all of this really awful shit goes down once Jordan begins to confront his desire for Xavier. That's true. Like, when they're about to have a threesome, that's when the literal Nazis... Literal Nazis, yeah. ...come in and... It's yeah. like your worst nightmare yeah. when somebody who has, is dealing with a lot of internalized hatred. Yeah. And it's like not, like, it's not like shown as like necessarily internalized hatred, but definitely just like not being like when you're finally like confronting like what makes you happy and then like Nazis and people threatening to lop your like genitals off and like a bunch of awful shit rape. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's not great. <laughs> <laughs> the ending of the, the, my review of the ending of the Doom Generation. It's, it's not great. <laughs> I mean, it's really like glib. Yeah, that is, yeah. Um, This movie got compared a lot when it came out to Natural Born Killers. I understand that fully. I thought, I thought about that. Yeah. Um, it's less of an ensemble than the other ones in the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I keep talking about a trilogy of movies that like very few people have seen. Like no, it's okay. You can talk about it because they all really go. Together. They do. Yeah, they relate a lot to each other. Um, Nowhere's really hard to find uh, because there's no DVDs of it because mm-hmm. they got a real, uh, Gregor Rocky got a lot of really great music for it that uh, was really hard to license. So there's only VHSs and an Australian DVD that is rumored. Oh, okay. I shout out to my friend at the video hole, uh, Jason on Instagram, who sent me a copy of Doom Generation because these films are really hard to find. Yeah, like Doom Generation, like a little bit easier because it is highly, highly tumblered as we, yeah, but like it's, it's, I don't know. Yeah. And 10 minutes of the film were cut to make it R rated. People walked out of the screening at Sundance. Oh, wow. Um, oh yeah, now I fully believe that that happens at so many Greg Rocky. Yeah. yeah, he's made it clear that he's very, very used to that. Um, mm-hmm. I think he likes it. He sure does. <laughs> he, like, like again, it's why I compare him to like John Waters because it's just like he likes like shocking people and like it's interesting looking at how uh, a queer director likes to shock people compared to how like. Mm. straight white directors like, like, to sh- off, like to yeah shock. like to shock people and it's like yeah and he likes to shock people in a way that I can relate to where he's using things that he actually experiences to shock people yeah like racism homophobia yeah, yeah. like he's throwing it in there it's funny to him yeah it's, it's yeah which yeah I get yeah like I don't know like Greg Rocky's like personal life experiences and I think he does a lot to make his movies in their extremities just seem so like not like their personal stories but also I think there's a pretty through line with um his protagonists and not just the teenage apocalypse trilogy but a lot of them being like feeling lost and like generation x yeah x savior I'm stoned, guys. I was about to say, I was just like, I, I gave you a choice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what, what are you, sorry. What did you expect? Yeah. Looking at your bag, this is Glampire. Bless. Yeah. I'm not stoned. I just ate Umami Burger. Uh, this episode is not sponsored by Umami Burger, but they are great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Taking time Absolutely. Out of your night to talk with me about this movie. And again, shout out to friend of Girls Guts and Jalo, uh, Parker Posey. Yeah. Personal friend of the show, right? Yeah, yeah. Personal friend. She's here all the time. I, yeah, she's great. Just, um, she won't stop calling me. I, yeah. She's just your eternal love slave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where can people find you on social media? Uh, so they can find me at the gay chingy on Instagram and Twitter. So, like, the rapper Chingy, but gay. Because I'm gay. You should follow her. She's the best. I'm, um, I'm best, pretty alright. Best bottom content on the web. That's true. That is factual. That's factual. That's just facts. Like, you can't, you can't just... Yeah, that's just undeniable. <laughs> um, thank you for having me on your lovely podcast to talk about... Oh, maybe that's alright. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A movie that's alright, but is very interesting in the context of his entire canon. Yeah, and also, like, Greg Rocky, if you're listening to this, I'm available if you want to cast me in anything. Like, cast her. Like, I've watched so many of your things. I'm just, 
I will criticize a lot of them, including Kaboom, because Kaboom Kaboom wasn't great. We're going to email him this podcast. Yeah. I love you, Greg. I love you. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Girls Guts and Giallo. You can also follow my personal account at Fat Goth, F-A-T-G-A-W-T-H. That's how that's spelled. <laughs> and until next time, I'm Annie Rose Malibet. I mean, you won't. I mean, am I going to be on a ham chain? <laughs> <laughs>